Welcome to Xavier's Dream Podcast. This is a carefree black nerd examination of the newest dawn of X-Men. Shoot, y'all. We... Man, oh my god. So, we're in the final issue of the summer series kind of prequel recommended reading or required reading, rather. Um, This is Powers of X, uh, issue 6 of 6. So, when you're listening to this episode and any other episodes of Xavier's Dream Pod, please comment and live tweet using that hashtag Xavier's Dream Pod or XDPod. Let me know you're out there. Let me know you're listening. Let's make this a conversation. Y'all, this 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 stuff is wild. Whoo, man. Okay, so um, when you're listening, uh, if you're listening on one platform, here's a few others. you got Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Player FM. Uh, I think maybe iHeartRadio. I don't know. We'll see. But listen, check out the show. Check out the other shows in the Carefree Black Nerd feed. Hit me up. Let me know what you're thinking. So getting right into this, I don't even know, y'all. So, and now we build. Powers of X, issue six of six, House of X. Okay, first of all, perfect title. The perfect title. Um, secondly, of course, we have Jonathan Hickman as the writer, R.B. Silva and Pepe Larza as the artist, Marte Gracia and David Carell as the color artist, VCs Clayton Kyles as the letterer, Tom Euler as the designer, R.B. Silva and Marte Gracia as the cover artist, and then the variant cover artists, there are quite a few, Mike Huddleston, Javier Garon, I think I said that right, and Rachel Rosenberg, Dustin Weaver, uh, Kafu and Jesus Arbatov, 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 Arbatov. Yes, that's it. John Tyler, Christopher, uh, Giuseppe Camanoli. Yep, Scotty Young. Um, I'm sure I butchered a few of those. My apologies. <laughs> um, Annalise Biza as the assistant editor. Jordan D. White as the editor. C.B. Stabolski as the editor in chief. Joe Casada as the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley as the president, and Alan Fine as the executive producer. X-Men created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So we open up with a very familiar set of pages. This is X-Men year one. Charles is walking his happy bald head ass through a fair. Um, We see that image again of that family that could be Jean and her mom and dad. We see him looking on. Everybody's having fun like a nice little flea market. This dude sits down. Enjoying the sun and the moon and the skies and the air and the mountain. (laughs) So Xavier's looking up. Again, we've seen this before. This is very much deja vu. So up up walks a um, beautiful young woman. She says, good afternoon. And he replies, and the same to you. Are you enjoying the fair? It seems like the kind of thing I should enjoy. And yet, I look around all these people and no it's just a show for those who need one a distraction from what's really going on if you will mind if i sit please so are you enjoying the fair i am it seems like the kind of thing i should not enjoy and yet a little parting of the clouds a little shining of the sun and suddenly everything seems right with the world she looks at him <coughs> i imagine mora gave him this little cock look like what the f- all right, motherfucker, I'm finna fuck your world up. 
So she says, having a good day, are we? Is it that obvious? You'd have to be blind not to notice. Now, <coughs> excuse me, we get back to Moira predicting, not even really predicting, just kind of recounting things that she know is going to happen. Uh, she talks about the magician, the tower, and the devil again. And uh, at the far end of the fair, I saw you sitting there. And I thought to myself, there he is. What I've been looking for. The strong man. I'm not really that strong. And I wondered why sitting there under parted skies and brilliant sun was the strong man smiling so. I was, wasn't I? Yes. Do you want to know why? I do, very much so. I was smiling because I have recently had the most wonderful dream of a better world and my place in it. Well, here's the thing, Charles. It's not a dream if it's real. Man, Hickman, when he said this, this is the most important page or set of pages of the X-Men for years to come, he was not lying. I don't think anybody was expecting these many lies of Moira X when this, like, man, I just, I'm still amazed. I hate to, to gush and be a, such a fanboy about it, but Hickman did that. He motherfucking did that. So we go to Xavier reading Moira's mind, and then we go to uh, the X-Men Year 1000, the Preserve. The Preserve, which is kind of like the Zoo. Zoo, ooh, zoo, yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> that the librarian has all these animals and mutants in. So we see the librarian show up through this door, just calmly walking the grounds. It looks kind of like the <clears throat> um, astral plane of the uh, Black Panther film. And so, on the bottom panel, the librarian sighs, and uh, we turn the page. And I don't know what language this is, but it's translated for us. But he says. This aggression is pointless. My augmented brain is far more advanced than yours. By the time your brain finished telling your muscles to move, I had already prepared countermeasures to your ensure your failure. Excuse me. So what happens is something jumped at him, someone to attack him. He continues, do you have any idea how much faster you would have to be to actually touch me? Please go eat your food. So <clears throat> what this looks like is a bunch of mutants or mutated people or things just living, existing in this space. <clears throat> um, the girl with the antlers kind of looks like Homegirl from Generation X Volume 2. Um, I forget her name, but the Asian girl who could like speak to animals and control um, nature, nature Girl. That's her name, Nature Girl. So he looks over and he says, I mean you no harm. You understand it though, right? They just want to be free, not locked up here in the zoo. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's uh, someone off panel. The librarian says, how could anyone want something that they don't know exists? Wanting to be free would mean they are capable of accurately observing this manufactured environment, this system we have to keep them enslaved. Oh, that was triggering for me. Enslaved? Jeez. They don't want to be free. They don't know what free is. I think you're simply in their, this is simply their nature. So then we see that the person is Wolverine. Wolf, I've, okay, I'm a fan of Wolverine. I'm a fan of Logan, but not to the degree that Marvel is because we know for a time he was in every single book on every single team and several of his own books had continuity all kinds of messed up but I have enjoyed him and old man Logan and reading him over the last maybe five or six years seeing him 
as the person the, the librarian is speaking to really had me excited. So he responds, nah, they want to be free. They know what it is. I make sure to fill their heads each day with stories of revolution, of the enslaved rising up to throw down their masters. You'll see. Give it time. The librarian replies, but you have no more time, James Howlett, or well, Logan James Howlett. Hmm. That's the neat trick, speaking English. So, okay, so I've said over this series a few uh, different scenes that I would like to see played out um, in the cinematic universe, and this is one of them. One, really, because I'm curious to know what this language sounds like, and I like this, um, I don't know, I like it when comic books have a different language, um, and they put those little brackets or parentheses or something around it so you know that you're reading it in a different language. But it's always interesting to say, okay, I'm not fluent in, I don't, let's say, French. So what would this sound like in French, like this very same conversation? But <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. So he says, the librarian says, I'm the librarian. Dead languages fascinate me. Which was like, okay, calm down. English, okay. Um, especially ones that haven't been spoken in centuries. I downloaded it some time ago in the hope that one day I might have an honest conversation. A nuanced one, for I would not want to be mistaken. Well, what are you waiting for? Get on with it. I was waiting for her. And so <clears throat> we see none other than Moira McTaggart, Moira X, Moira whoever she's going by these days. She emerges and she says, English? Yes. Well, that's a problem. It means you've likely been listening to us for quite a while, haven't you? Eavesdropping. This is more of a talking to the sassy-ass librarian. Observation is one of the primary reasons for controlled habitats such as these. Preservation is, of course, the excuse we hide behind. After all, we wouldn't want to see the last group of mutants on this planet go extinct, would we? And a lot of his conversations seem to be very threatening and menacing in a, in a way that is not traditionally like big brute angry muscle he just comes off it he <clears throat> seems very much like charles xavier to me but maybe it'll come out later on that this was a version of charles or something um he says but if i'm being truthful the real get for someone in my position is watching how the two of you have responded to various stimuli i've introduced over the time what's that ancient phrase i wanted to see what makes you tick oh man this this motherfucker he says, conclusions have yet to be drawn, but we're nearing them, one way or the other. You've done well surviving. Fortunately, the two of you have the same blood type, but still, the idea of it. A millennium of depending on one another to survive, it's impressive. So when they, <clears throat> when, they when he mentions that they have the same blood type, I'm wondering, and, and y'all clear it up for me if you do have an answer. Use that hashtag XDPod or Xavier's Dream Pod. When he says that Moira and... <clears throat> and James, uh, Logan, Wolverine, have the same blood type, is it a certain type of mute? But it can't necessarily be. The fact that they're both able to survive for so long, I mean, they're both able to be killed, of course, probably more, re easy, more easily than Logan, but even still, after all of these thousands of years or hundreds of years, we come to this point and they are the only two here. So is it, is Logan and Moira more closely related than maybe we would have thought pre-Hickman? And even within the first 11 issues of this like mini limited series. Um, I don't know what that means. 
but I know it means something. So let me know. Um, I mean, here are they drinking each other's blood to survive? Like how how does them having the same blood type matter? And what is this blood type? So he goes on to discuss how <clears throat> the Phoenix uh, will grant this Earth uh, ascension, um, uh, being incorporated into their technological network, and it's so man. This again, something I want to see on screen. So he's pretty much saying that the world's going to end. And Moira's was shocked. She's like, oh, it's going to end tomorrow. He's like, yeah, it is. And we're all going to die. That's Logan. He says, almost everyone will die. The possible exception is you. You, I have arranged to send off planet. She asks why. He says, oh, I think you know why. From what I gathered observing you, if you die before the Phalanx makes it to the nearest black hole, then all that I know will not become part of the Dominion. And when you annihilate this timeline or reality... Then you'll be right back where you started, knowing what you know without us knowing anything. But if you live past my becoming God, then, existing beyond space and time, we will know you forever. And I think it is very likely that we will not tolerate something like you having any power over something like us. Whoo, man. So this, honestly, is more of a quiet issue. <clears throat> compared to the first 11 and i think this is the perfect type of issue to end this 12 issue dual series um he's talking about ending the world and about ending more because he knows that when she dies the timeline will be reset but if everyone can be incorporated into the phoenix then that's kind of a loophole it's it's almost what uh destiny did while being able to see Moira where she tried to kill that girl. <laughs> well, she actually did kill that girl. Um, yeah, so this this is terrifying to say the least. This is something that we can't really stand for. Um, and so Logan is upset. Really, a quick aside, I would like to see maybe not a full book, but maybe a book about Moira's missing lives, or but specifically this time that her and Wolverine spent surviving over these hundreds of years to even make it to the year 1000. I like, ooh, excuse me, I would like to see that. So, we can, he continues, it's a fair question, no? Why would I tell you? Why would I be conflicted? My problem is this. I question the wisdom of it. Becoming something that really is just the idea of existence, something immaterial, never touching someone again, never walking through the woods, never seeing the wonders I see with my post-human eyes. So I'm faced with a question. Do I let you die? And perhaps in your next life you can prevent our becoming part of the universal machine state, what I suspect might be a fake existence. Or do I send you away and find out for myself? And Moira is like she so out of all the training she's had, this motherfucker I think we have yet to see the expanse of Moira's abilities. She's had all these different lives, she's collected all of this data, all of this information. Pretty much Moira is a god. She, her very existence determines whether we, the collective we, so mutants and, and humankind or whatnot, exist or not. And to me, that seems more than a simple mutation. That's not, I can fly or shoot beams on my eye or I can lift a thousand tons. That's more or less like my very, your survival is dependent upon my life. Um, I wonder how long could Moira live without being, if she was never murdered? Like, how long 
can she live thousands of years? And then if she dies naturally, does the timeline then reset? Which, like it did, I believe, in the first life. But that being said, uh, Destiny mentioned something about um, she imagines that there's a limit to the lives that Moira has to live. How can that even be true? If that's true, then that means once Moira dies for the last time, that's it. Like, how can anything be reset? There was world before her, yes, but, man, it's, this is a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how to take this. I'm still dealing with these questions. Um, if you guys have answers for any of them, any fan theories, let me know. Use that hashtag, Xavier's Dream Pod, XD Pod. Or if you want to get your thoughts onto the show, you want to send me a voice memo or something, email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com and make the subject Xavier's Dream, Xavier's Dream Pod, something like that. Because I really want to know like what other people suspect because I'm just one person floating through this sea of Hickman, X-Men, mutant stuff. And I can come up with my own conclusions, but I I don't know, man. I need as much help as I can get. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, he says, yes. How would you prevent it? With all that you've learned in your many lives, how would you stop us from losing our post-humanity and surrendering to the machines? And here go Wolverine, angry ass. Oh, I can answer this one. Maybe we go back and start that revolution I promised a little sooner. Put a little stop to post-humanity at the humanity part. I believe the scientific term is homo novissima. The end of the evolutionary line. The last man there will ever be. Your personal memory may differ, but historical records imply you mutants never really saw what was coming. It's sad, really. The idea that you were... What was next? Evolutionary inevit inevitable. Good lord. Y'all can read. He said he and she, so Logan and uh and Moira questions. Oh, we we are. It's not we were, motherfucker, we are. He says, Look around, Miss Mora Ken Ross. See the cage? That's inevitable. Not you being outside of it. Which Man, this, again, feels like a very quiet issue compared to everything else. Now, a lot of this I'm going to be reading word for word because I need y'all to understand how dire this is. Now, we have a picture of a, like a hawk-human hybrid. Uh, we have some people in front of a machine that's glowing. We have a man picking up something that looks extremely heavy and shooting out like a pink power and then we have these people flying some with wings some without so this page goes as follows we're still the the librarian here mutants are an evolutionary response to an environment you are naturally occurring the next step in human evolution but what happens when humanity stops being beholden to its environment when man controls the building blocks of biology and technology Evolution is no match for genetic engineering, which is creepy as hell. Thinking about eugenics and this shit. <sighs> he continues. What's good was one mutant adapting to its environment when you could make 10 supermen. You thought it was the machines that would defeat you, but we just used them to buy time. Sentinels brought us years. Nimrods brought us decades. Moira is freaking the fuck out. I, I never saw it. And I guess you never will. After all, if you aren't capable of recognizing the real enemy you faced, how could you ever defeat them? Maybe this is just how it ends for you. 
And if you have no real alternative to offer, maybe this is my fate as well. Immortality, divinity, as I have no choice but to become part of a small god. Like, nigga, what? So, no sooner did those words leave his mouth did Logan shrink, pull out those adamantium claws, which, how does he still have those? But, I digress. And stab that motherfucker into a tree. Dear Lord up in robot heaven, tell me, was that fast enough for you? Oh my god, so, man, oh, so good. I want to see all of this played out. I don't give a damn if it's beat for beat. You ain't got to change nothing. I just want to see this on screen. So she's freaking out to my all this time, all this time we waited to find out why, and now we know. So you're going to do something about it? Yes. Oh, Wolverine pulls his claws out again. She says, all right, send me on my way. Logan says, close your eyes, Moira. No, my eyes are open, and they're going to stay that way. Just make it quick. Don't worry, darling. This is what I do. <laughs> Guts everywhere. <laughs> no, he stabbed her in the chest. And so ended the sixth life of Moira X. Motherfucker, goddamn. So this whole time we were all discussing, you know, everybody on Twitter and in the internet and everything else. What the fuck happened to the sixth life of Moira? I'm sure some people probably guessed it. I can tell you wholeheartedly I did not. So when this came out that this was her sixth life, boy, I was, oh, I... The amount of excitement that I got, and it's not even from the history of the X-Men. It's from Hickman's storytelling. He's done such a great job over the last 11 issues leading up to this. Like, the way he's telling a story, it is not linear. It is all over the goddamn place. It's leaving breadcrumbs and clues here and there. Like, this is truly being in a class. And I suspect that all of the charts and, and facts and everything that we've gotten over the last 11 and plus this one, 12 issues will not only be important for those 12 issues. Like those are things that you will have to look back and reference on the upcoming Dawn of X. Like there's, oh my God, man, this, again, this man has done something truly amazing. He has made me care for the X-Men again in a way that I haven't in a very long time. Additionally... He has made an entire group of people <laughs> just get on their toes because it's always fan casting, fan theories, and fan fiction, and whatever else, and, and reading between the lines and subtext and whatnot. But a lot of this stuff is just blatantly pointed out to you. Like he's he's giving, I don't know, man. Um, look, I'm just, I'm excited. And God damn it, you should be too. Branching humanity, homo superior. Mutandum is a natural evolutionary successor to humanity. Homo sapiens. Humanity will reach a natural evolutionary dead end within two to four generations. Though humans will still outnumber mutants for some time, the asymmetrical strength of the latter will result in a shift in dominance. C. the 100 sheep, 10 wolves argument. Homo novicima. Post-humanity is a manufactured branch of humanity not restricted by normal evolutionary constraints. The problem with a technology-based post-evolutionary state is the inevitable, but naturally occurring, paradigm loop between organic and technological constructs. A machine leap makes a post-human leap possible. And a post-human leap makes a machine leap possible, on and on until one of these two eventually reaches an end state. Alright, now, 
Xavier, what we didn't see was after he read Homegirl's Mind, this motherfucker had a damn aneurysm and fell to the damn ground. What was that? How? How? It's a bit much, I agree. That it cuts at everything you believe, even more so. Still, hard truths are what's called when dealing with radical realignments to old ways of thinking. He looks so innocent. <laughs> this artwork is amazing. We, we lose? No, it's much worse than that. We always lose. And this right here is something that, again, I'm when I've said this time and time before, Hitman is doing things that are so obvious that are right there in your face that should have been done before. The X-Men always lose. No matter what, every time there's a reboot or a storyline or something, yeah, they win a victory or they save the day, but ultimately they lose. They're losers. And it's not even an insult like, oh, y'all losers. It's just like you are. You, She's right. You always lose. No matter what, losing is just what you guys do. <sighs> so he continues. Perhaps, perhaps if I were more selective with my future students or if I make a broader appeal to our human allies. Surely there's some way to. What, why are you smiling at me like that? Moira kisses him deeply. She pulls back and puts her fingers on his lips. She says, I open my mind to you so you know that I know you, Charles Xavier. I have loved you. I have hated you and all the emotional complexities in between. Not once in all my lives have you changed. Thank you. It's not a compliment. You're a good man who believes in the goodness of others. And it breaks my heart that I have to break that part of you. But I will break it. Because that's what has to happen now. I know you will fight me. Just like your shade, Eric, will fight me. But this time, I mean for all of us to be together. All of us. You've been dreaming of the wrong dream, Charles. And it's long past time that you wake up. Bruh, this is so good. <laughs> so uh, when Moira made that comment about, uh, I mean for us to be together, all of us, my mind instantly went towards some polyamorous love triangle or or thruple situation man because she's been with Charles she's been with Eric she's been with uh Insabob Noor and it's not a quote-unquote slut shaming thing because that's definitely not it but just to clear that up for those of you who may have thought that's the way I was going with it she's doing things in each life to make sure that her people survive again I've likened the um X-Men and the Hickman run to be that of black people in the world they do pretty much stand in more directly in this run any number of marginalized groups this is one that i happen to be a part of so that's the one that seems to ring the loudest and so i know that her saying all of us together isn't just like a whole, well, we all together in love thing. It's more or less like my people need saving. I'm going and doing extreme measures um, to make sure that that happens. And Moira really has a sad life because think about it. If every time you die, the world resets, I mean, eventually you're going to get bored. You're going to get bored because you know everything. Um, nothing is news to you. Everybody is blissfully in the matrix and you're the Neo that's out of it. But with... Moira, 
there's only so far you can go with like human interaction like the very fact that she is fighting so hard for mutantdom it makes sense but then at the same time it's like damn what she could just give up and just live her life like she I'm sure with sentinels they could they could detect her. Well, however they detect mutants, they could detect her as a mutant as well. But honestly, she can just live her life and just do what the hell she wants to do. Become president if she wants to. Or she could fight the good fight like she's doing. Like, I want to know what's motivating her to actually want to help the mutants. Outside of Destiny, putting that beat down on you and telling you that she's going to whoop your ass and come for you. Outside of that, what is making you... What makes you want to rally the troops so hard? Because in her first few lives, she didn't even like being a mutant. She first she didn't know what the fuck it was, and she wanted to cure it. So, and she found a cure. But that being said, like, what is it that you want? Because she could easily have created the cure still and found a way to sneak it into the mutant population. And thus making everyone human again. And then just being able to live your own life. Like, so I'm, I still, I'm very, I like Moira. I like what we've been presented with. But I am a bit cautious because I don't know her true motivations. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you a fan of Moira? Do you think that everything's on the up and up? Do you think that maybe some things are not as they should be, you know, let me know. Use that hashtag Xavier's Dream Pod or XD Pod. Moira's Journal. Entry 5. Xavier. It's taken months, but after allowing Charles to read my mind, I have successfully recruited him to my cause. Unlike myself, observation has not granted him perfect recall of my past lives, and as I will not permit him to read me a second time, he is now dependent on my interpretation of past life events. Eventually, this will not be enough, and I will have to open my mind to him again. Perhaps he will even act against type and so himself, but all he will be looking for is confirmation of suspicions he might already harbor. And so, regardless of how long our trial alliance lasts, the truth is my best friend. It's painful how hopeful and idealistic he remains. It's shameful how much he wants to love these people. He. Will. Learn. Entry 12. Xavier. Redacted. Entry 14, Xavier. I have a choice to make. Until now, I have been lying to myself about what I am, and am not, capable of. I believed that I could manipulate these men into doing what I needed them to do without any repercussions to myself. I know now just how wrong I was. While we have become romantic, it is becoming clear to me that I am breaking Charles. And if I do break him, how will he become the man I need him to be in the coming days? My concern, my paramount fear, is that I fracture his psyche and eventually unleash something unexpected on the world. Entry 17, Xavier. I had a breakthrough with Charles today. For the first time, he has stopped trying to fight me on what humanity is and tapped into the potential windfall of knowledge I represent regarding mutandom. He had the most marvelous idea regarding the potential tendom of several mutants and what they could accomplish if they worked in harmony. The only thing we lack is a mutant with the ability to tweak primal matter or give reality as we know it a push. I have used my expertise in genetic modifications to find potential matches for both Charles and me to produce such a mutant. There are several possibilities. Entry 22, Magneto. Charles and I have successfully recruited Magneto. 
as it is with every meeting of ours, I am stunned at the casual arrogance of this man. If Charles is a rock that I have to water down over decades, then Eric is something harder and less permeable. With him, loyalty is something that must be consistently earned. He allows for no deviation of intent. The idea that there will not be setbacks, and that his constant anger will remain tamped down is a fool's dream. I only hope that our consistency of vision, and commitment to mutandum, will outlast his rage. One positive thing of note, I have successfully imprinted the idea of stronghold in his mind. Of course, it has always been there, but seeing so many lives where an island, a world or some other celestial body functions as a safe haven for mutants has left an indelible mark. Entry 29, Apocalypse. Apocalypse has made himself known to the world. Knowing him the way I do, and having aligned myself already with Xavier and Magneto, recruitment will not be an option until a much later date. He is in his raw, primal state and sees the whole world as unfit, so much so that he will test everything to find something to build on. What must be done now is the avoidance of an apocalypse event and the prevention of certain Omega-level mutants falling under his sway. Entry 35, Xavier. Redacted. Entry 48, Xavier. I have underestimated Charles's infatuation with the possibilities of what can be accomplished with mutant genetic material. Without my knowledge, and against my advice, both Charles and Magneto have traveled to Bar Sinister and recruited Sinister to our cause. What is this thing that men do, where they think they can shape the world to their liking, and bend others to whatever they will? This is folly. And if what they told me is true regarding their meeting with him, he has produced his first Jumeir decades early, and it is sinister himself. Entry 52, Magneto. We have lost Magneto. I had hoped, given the opportunity, to help make him a better man. Instead all we have made is an enemy. I am just as bad as they are. If not worse. Entry 57, Xavier. I have decided to remove myself from the world. I have become too active a force in this and have put both myself and our great planet risk. Charles and I will use a Shi'ar Golem, a living husk, to test our early theories on what can be accomplished with adequate and properly prepared genetic material and a backup copy from Cerebro. We will fake my death using a replica and I will return to the shadows where I belong. Yeah, um, so there's a lot going on. Moira's journal, uh, I'm sure that should be a running thing because hell, we got some redacted entries and we didn't even, we're not getting entry one through 50, something like we're getting kind of bouncing all over. And is this journal, is she rewriting this every life? Is this a journal from this very last life? Like what, what exactly is it that we're doing here? So we move on to Moira's no place, which is the place, the space within Krakoa that isn't even known by Krakoa which smart smart um it looks like maybe that's where charles had met with no that's not i was gonna say met with forge but how could he have if krakoa wasn't created yet either way so uh we're in krakoa this is yesterday uh what's that we brought you tea moira so charles and eric walk in fully uniformed uh charles in his cat suit is really growing on me um i i mean it's simple um yeah, this cat suit is where it's at. So Moira's there looking very Jubilee-ish, just like she does on the cover of this book. She says, There's two ways in and out of my home, Eric. The door you came in through, which leads to a secret chamber in the House of X, and the other leads to one of mankind's greatest culinary cities. So I really don't need you bring me tea. 
I have other means and we have greater concerns, which is like, damn. But, you know, I'm okay with this, like, harsh, borderline rude Moira because she's been through a lot. And though she has secrets, I'm sure that are going to eventually come to bite everybody in the ass. She's, what we've gotten so far, trying to ensure the survival of the mutant race. Um, again, this is why I said she has a lonely life. Like, you're in here. Yeah, you can go out in this culinary city and do whatever and whatnot, but you're, you're pretty much a prisoner. You have to be sure not to even break a bone for the fear that that might lead to something else that could lead to resetting the universe yet again. When I saw this, it seemed as if Charles and Eric were coming in to poison Moira. <laughs> and it just looked creepy the way that they walked in here. So, uh, it, Magneto, uh, follows up her last comment with, Only cynics refuse the common kindness of strangers, of others, rather. They say it comes from assuming there's always another shoe to drop. Ah, so it is tea and other things, she says. Can I assume we now have a government? Yes, Charles answers. The first meeting of the Quiet Council is tomorrow. We have 11 of the 12 seats filled. Why not all of them? Emma Frost has yet to name a Red King. She's up to something, that one. We're all up to something, Moira. But she understands the scale of this. Her as much as any of the others. So she won't be a deterrent to our broader plans. This is so interesting to me. It gives me a very Game of Thrones political drama vibe. And I like that. While doing this, Eric is reshaping this ball of metal into three different teacups. Which is cool. I like I like seeing him use his powers. Really, I like everyone using their powers in very subtle, um, regular ways. When you're not fighting crime and, and and defending the earth, I like to see the mutants use their powers just to help around the house and stuff. So, Charles continues. Uh, oh no no, I'm sorry. So more is like okay, who else was named? Most of it went as we assume. Apocalypse sits at the autumn table with Charles and me. Jean Grey, Storm, and Nightcrawler sit at Summer. They are my children and will do well. And, okay, another intersectionality, y'all. So, you know I said that the mutants for me are very much black people. But, Charles is giving me this very pose, house mother vibe with this. It's this, well, it's been the whole series, but this panel in particular. Where, again, he says, Jean Grey, Storm, and Nightcrawler sit at Summer. They are my children and will do well. Like, this is so Blanca of him. <laughs> Charles Evangelista. <laughs> so, spring is entirely compromised of hellfire. But, as we said, the White Queen loves a tight leash and she can be trusted. Winter is complicated. It's where we parked all of our problem mutants, besides myself, of course. We sat sinister there because we cannot do without them. So, having him closer is better than not. Exodus has an unyielding code, and we three know all too well the complications of an unflinching ideology brings. Oh, boy. Hickman. And Mystique would not agree to join us without certain guarantees. Moira says, Axe, what did you do? We promised to bring Destiny back. You cannot do that. We know there can be no precogs on Krakoa. We cannot, will not tolerate mutants who can see the future. We know. You don't understand. She has a way of seeing me. That I am weakness because my death ends all of this. We know. Do you? What happens if we bring her back and she tells everyone what she sees? What if she sees? What if she tells everyone the truth? Moira. 
damn motherfucker we know <laughs> and we'll put her off as long as we can tomorrow tomorrow not today all the mutant leaders say and this it's like we're setting up so many issues for the future clearly we're going to run into mystique acting a fool because you're not bringing destiny back if she brings her back then that's a whole nother set of issues the fact that Moira is hidden in this no space is an issue like who having all of these mutants here on Krakoa immersed in this wonderful utopia this heaven of sorts Sooner or later, some people, if not everyone, is going to get bored. And not bored like, oh, this is boring, take us back to our respective countries. Bored in the sense that everything will become normal and someone somewhere is going to start asking questions. Uh, so maybe bored wasn't the word I was looking for, but yeah. So Charles says, we'll put them, we'll put them all off, but one day they deserve to know the truth. Just like Charles and I did. Moira says, you really want them to know that we always lose? <laughs> the truth is that until now, we have always lost. But this time it's going to be different. For we are different. And that's Charles and Eric and, and their house mother and house father glory. And that is all because of you. There's no denying what you have done, Moira. You shaped us into this. You made us into this. We are the perfect tools for an imperfect age. You should celebrate what you have done, for you have done it well. But now it is time for you to step aside and let us do the good work for which we were created. Just look at what we have made. And yet the thought lingers. Is it enough? This is only the start, Eric, but we have to hope so. And if it is not, then we do more. Whatever the cost, whatever it takes, this is all there is, Eric. We live and die with this, you and I. Then I will die for it. And if I fall, then you will raise me up. I will show the world what a mutant is, what a real mutant is. Keep talking like that, and you're sure to elicit a response. I am not ashamed of what I am. Let them try to stop us this time. Yes. Let them try. Woo! I am not ashamed of what I am, Magneto. Folk, I am so fucking ready for this new Dawn of X. There is so much shit going on. We don't know what's what yet. We know a little bit of something. We bring the folks back. We got Utopia. We got several lives of Moira X. Who man. So... I don't know, y'all. What y'all think? What do y'all think? Was Xavier's dream fulfilled or was it deferred? Was it realized? Was it actualized? Was it not reached at all with this issue? Let me know. Tweet me. Carefree Blurred. Use that hashtag XDPod or Xavier's Dream Pod. Oh, man. Are y'all ready for this Dawn of X? Let me know. Uh, we got Powers of X number six. That's this issue. Next up, Dawn of X. X-Men number one, October 16th. Marauders number one, October 23rd. Excalibur number one, October 30th. X-Force number one, November 6th. New Mutants number one, November 6th. Fallen Angels number one, November 13th. So, there is a reading order here. And Hickman, again, has thought of everything. And I wonder if this will continue throughout the entire Dawn of X. If so, 
this probably will go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest run of X-Men. Not even for the story-wise, but for the way that he's tying everything together, making it easy and digestible for everyone. He's created a nice little mystery that we're all trying to figure out. And then you're including this reading order. You're making sure the continuity is clear and black and white and red a little bit in your face. And that's what I love. One of the issues that I've had being a comic book reader, consumer, collector over the decades is that it's all so confusing and not confusing story-wise, but if you're trying to piece together a run or a story or follow a character, it becomes very difficult. We do have Wikipedia now and other such resources where they kind of compiled different lists and whatnot, but for this, we're getting a definitive, this is exactly the order that this is going. I really like that. And it's interesting because now I'm thinking, how will trade paperbacks come out? Are we getting Marauders 1 through 6, Excalibur 1 through 6, X-Force 1 through 6, or are we getting that in addition to a reading order? So the full run, the full might of the Dawn of X run, are we getting instead of the first six issues of um, X-Men and the first six of Marauders, are we getting... X-Men number one, Marauders number one, Expatible number one, X-Force number one, New Mutants number one, and Fallen Angels number one compiled in a um, trade paperback. Like, it's so many things that could be done. Uh, man, kudos, kudos, kudos. You guys, let me know. What are you thinking? Uh, did you enjoy this, this dual run? Are you in it to win it with Dawn of X? Um, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I plan on collecting every book at least for the first two or three issues and see how I feel about them. That being said, um, Xavier's Dream Podcast will extend, but I cannot promise that in the foreseeable future or like I'll consistently pick up every single title and report on each, mainly because that's expensive. Also, because I might not like everything I'm reading. So we're going to ride this out for as far as I can go. Um, And then, hell, I might miss some trades worth of reading and then come back and revisit i'm not sure how this series turned show will be structured going forward but i'm at least picking up x-men number one and going from there um so that being said guys thank you all for listening for going on this journey with me thank you for your fan theories for answering my questions for um asking some of your own I still encourage you to send in those voice memos or send out those emails. If you have questions, ask them. Let's keep this going. Uh, This mutant thing, the new Hickman run, and the new... All of this has really done its job. The question I had at the beginning of this series was, will Hickman be able to make me fall in love with the X-Men again? I've answered that time and time again. The answer is yes, he has. So kudos to him. Um, That being said, now that I have the love back... is it going to stay throughout this new Dawn of X? Is it going to be enough to motivate me to get these issues every Wednesday, every new comic book day? Um, let's see. Let's see. I'm hopeful. Um, I'm very interested to see what Wakanda looks like in this new world. With uh, with the new Generation X kids and whatever Thomas and Angelo Espinosa, I think this is the last name, how they're doing, how they're coping, how the new mutants are coping with this new as in newly reborn mutants coping with this space where some of them died before smartphones were a thing some of them died before you know different presidents came to be who's the president in this world a lot of questions a lot of questions um but yeah that's that so if you guys want to come on and talk about some stuff if you have questions for me if you want to uh, you love the show you hate the show whatever let me know give me the feedback 
Uh, on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give me that five stars and a review. Helps with the algorithm and all that. I want to show up in some of that stuff. And hell, check me out on all the podcasting platforms. Uh, shit, y'all. Until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, stay mutant, and uh, stay true to yourself, goddammit. And uh, catch me on the new Dawn of X. All right.